leave a lot out when I tell the truth. I think it's the same with people. I see the little details, so specific to each other that move me and that I miss. I always miss. So no yours, cause I can never just sell you raps. This is my life laid on raps. I'm Joe Stracci, and I better start writing this down. Episode 31, I'm Going Back for Your Mother, the Live at Night Train edition. On May 25th, 2015, I published episode 9 of I Better Start Writing This Down, entitled, I'm Going Back for Your Mother. In it, I told a story about getting stuck in the snow with a 10-month-old and my 12-weeks pregnant wife on the road that led to our home in the woods of Connecticut. On March 26, 2022, seven years later, I took part in a night of live storytelling called Night Train at the Phillipstown Depot Theater. At Night Train, I told a revamped, rethought, re-engineered version of I'm going back for your mother. Adapted for the stage, if you will. My wife, thoughtful woman that she is, took a video of the 14-minute performance. What you'll listen to in a minute is that performance. It's not the best recording. It's just extracted audio that I attempted to clean up a bit. Despite my best efforts, quite present in the mix is Luna and Dion's laughter, which is fitting, I suppose. I hope you enjoyed season three. I enjoyed making it. Here is where I will offer the podcaster's prayer. If you enjoyed season three, or any of the other seasons, please tell at least three friends about it. The more people who hear the show and enjoy it, maybe even review it on iTunes, intent, will increase the chances of me being able to make more. For now, please enjoy this bonus episode. If I better start writing this down, it's something old, made new, 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 new. Hi, hello. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, this story begins in New Fairfield, Connecticut, in a house that I no longer live in, Um, and I'll tell you why at the end, but... It's not really about that. Uh, It was February of 2014. Me and my wife, Danielle, were getting our then 10-month-old daughter, Luna, Luna, ready to go down to the Bronx to visit our family. It's where Danielle and I are both originally from. And we'd moved to Connecticut a couple of years earlier Um, And these visits back to the old country, (laughs) to be perfectly honest, took the life out of us. (laughs) Um, And that was before we had any children. Add a 10-month-old into the mix, and when you have your first kid and they turn 10 months old, you think you know, but you don't know. As I was going over the contents of the unfortunately named but undeniably useful diaper bag that I received called the Diaper Dude, (laughs) I said to Danielle, shouldn't we bring gloves for Luna? Um, This was a February in which the average high temperature was 18 degrees. 
And Dion said, no, you know, we're getting right into the car, and then we're going to go right into my mom's house and right into your mom's house. She'll be fine. Okay. So we packed everything we'd need into the truck, the diaper dude, um, Danielle and her breast milk, um, a mobile sleeping containment unit, nerves of fucking steel, <laughs> and we drove off. This is the point at which I need to tell you about the driveway. Our property was connected to the main road by a, a loose gravel road. It, it was too long to call it a driveway. It was about a quarter of a mile. And in the winter, we paid a friendly French Canadian named Jack to plow it. That winter, because of the winds, it was causing all the snow that he plowed to creep back onto the road. And the combination of the cold meant that none of the snow melted. And this combination was forming snowdrifts that were pretty solid. And I was surprised that day by the amount of torque that I needed to get through them. And I thought to myself, we're probably going to have to call Jack to come back and plow these. Now, many of you here are probably familiar with the complete, the state of complete and total mental exhaustion one experiences after spending time in the place that you grew up in and left with the people who you grew up in it with and left behind. <laughs> and that is the state that Danielle and I were in when we got back to Connecticut that night. It was now one degree outside, one, it's the only temperature reading that takes the singular form of the noun. With the wind chill, it felt like negative 12. We'd spent the entire day in the Bronx. Uh, the baby needed a diaper change and pajamas. Danielle and I needed a drink. It was 8 p.m. And as you probably all know, at that time of year, in the middle of the woods, 8 p.m., it's essentially pitch black night. When I pulled into the mouth of our driveway that we shared with our neighbors, I could see the snowdrifts further up ahead on our road that were now blocking our path. And they were two feet deep. Now, I take pride in my ability to maneuver a car in the snow. I came up driving age, getting hand-me-down cars into and out of snowy situations in the Bronx. So I figured with a brand new four-wheel drive V6 pickup truck that I shouldn't doubt myself for a second. I should have. <laughs> because with visions of pickup truck commercials in my head, right, blasting through snowy landscapes in my mind, I gave the truck full gas and promptly got us stuck in reality. <laughs> now, my wife and I, we have a really good marriage, right? We've known each other since high school. And she describes my hands as not meant for fine detail work. But, 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 she's quick to add that if you need something destroyed, either accidentally or on purpose, or either on purpose or accidentally, I'm your man. And I, I think this is why she didn't object to my plan, at least at first. So I put the truck in four low, 
which is a setting that when I got the truck, Danielle's grandfather told me, Joey, you want me to fall low unless you're stuck in a sand dune, brother? <laughs> <laughs> and through a combination of wheel reversal after wheel reversal, shifting back and forth, drive to reverse, and a floored accelerator so that I timed it so that the wheel spun right before the gear shifted into place, I got us out. I backed slowly down the road, knowing I could just as easily get us stuck again. I figured I'd give it one more shot. <laughs> I figured the first time, I didn't realize just how much gas I needed to give it. I figured the first time, I didn't realize I needed to be like further over to the left. I figured I'd learn from my mistakes. I had it. I got the truck stuck again. So another 20 minutes of transmission shredding, truck rocking, tire spinning, all to the quiet whisper of me urging the truck on, like one of those people in a wetsuit trying to soothe a terrified orca. <laughs> Luna, quiet in her car seat. My wife, also quiet, but loud. <laughs> like with her eyes and her posture, a really loud posture. Uh, so at that point, what I knew I needed to do was get out of the truck, right? And I got out of the truck and immediately stepped into snow up to my thighs. Now, that morning before we left, I put on sneakers. Anybody who knows me knows I have a bit of a sneaker fetish. And Danielle saw the sneakers and she was like, what are you doing? It's freezing, there's snow on the ground. And I told her that my boots had started to smell and I didn't want to have to not be able to take them off all day and I didn't want to be uncomfortable. And she said, okay. So as my neon green Nike running sneakers just immediately soaked through and my feet began to pulse with cold, I thought about my smelly boots back in the closet. At least I'd been comfortable all day. Now, Danielle was wearing a swing coat, yoga pants, and slip-on L.L. Bean ankle-cut boots. Luna was, as you'll remember, gloveless. Danielle produced a pair of socks from the diaper bag, and I, I remember being shocked by how difficult it was to get the socks over her tiny little fingers you wouldn't think it would be that hard. Um, we all got out and in the pitch black began to trudge through the snow. This is the point at which I need to tell you that our load to carry that night was heavier by an object that at that point was about the size of a plum because Danielle was 12 weeks pregnant. <laughs> I carried Luna. She weighed about 25 pounds at that point. And I had this idea that Danielle should sort of lead the way and light the path with both of our phones. But she was just moving so slowly and it was so cold. And I understood why she was scared. She didn't want to fall. She didn't want to drop our phones in the snow. So I weighed our options and I knew that Danielle could afford an extra couple of minutes out in the cold, but Luna, maybe not, I didn't know. So I left my pregnant wife and her plum fetus in the dust. <laughs> the, the, 
were you. so solid at points that I was able to walk on top of them without breaking through. Um, the bounce of Luna against me was so consistent that it was loosening up everything we'd secured around her. Her, her hat, her scarf, her sock gloves, and I don't know about any of, of you, but I don't really have any memories of anything before the age of like seven, really. And that's what I kept telling myself as I whispered to Luna, this is fun, this is an adventure, it's so silly, right? And I could feel her shivering and nodding each time I seriously added, you okay? You doing good? You all right? <laughs> At one point, I reached down and I realized that her hat had fallen off. And I debated stopping and putting my hat on her, but by this point, between the dark and just the awful creaking, swaying sound of the branches on the trees in the woods around us, branches that I had been informed far too casually are referred to as widow makers. <laughs> I'll be honest, I was kind of scared too. By the time we hit the final curve in the road, I could see our house, I ran. I held Luna tight and I ran. I had never before had such clarity of thought. I didn't know if my legs were tired, if I was cold, if I was out of breath, I just ran. I got us inside the house, I put Luna on the couch, I put two blankets on top of her, I put my hat on her head, I gave her a chocolate milk, and I did the most drastic thing that I could think to do in that moment, I turned the thermostat up to 85. <laughs> I bent down in front of Luna and I said, don't move off this couch. And because things had turned so cinematic, I guess, I added, I'm going back for your mother. <laughs> well, I didn't get too far back up the road before I could hear Dale, who's like, equal parts sobbing and cursing my name. <laughs> but the postscript is we all wound up safe and warm. Um, when I wrote a, a version of this piece for my podcast eight years ago, I thought I knew the lesson that I was supposed to take from the ordeal, um, but I had no idea what was coming. Um, less than two months after that night, my mother would be killed by a drunk driver right around the corner from our house. She was coming up to babysit. And a year after that, we sold that house. We were just tired of living near this incident. And we moved to Cold Spring, to a house with a far less treacherous driveway. <laughs> uh, the plump fetus became a fully realized child. And we were just having so much fun, we figured, what the hell? We added one more to the collection after that. <laughs> being a parent is hard. Um, being a good parent is even harder. You have to teach your kids things like, always wear boots when there's snow on the ground. <laughs> Bring a pair of gloves with you when it's historically cold out, and if you think you won't need them. Call the French Canadian plow guy when you literally think to yourself, we're probably going to have to call the plow guy. <laughs> you can spend a life out in the cold, running from the wolves and the bears and the demon dogs in the woods. If you're lucky, you reach a point where you stop and look back and realize that 
What you were actually doing the entire time is running towards them. And that, lucky you, you already made it. Thank you. For more information about I Better Start Writing This Down, visit ibetterstart.net. For more information about the Phillipstown Depot Theater and to find out about the next installment of Night Train, visit phillipstowndepotheater.org. That's one L, and theater spelled the British way. I Better Start Writing This Down is indeed going back for your mother. If you can find us on social media, but never Facebook. I Better Start should be our username. That's it. Hopefully, you wrote it down. That was a fun little jaunt through the woods, huh? Yep. Wait till we so- tell the sisters that we offload. Yeah, they're gonna be super jealous. Would be jealous that a young man told us to go off Yeah. He wasn't super great with the directions, but you know. Yeah. And. Now, of course, we're going to get someone in front of us driving exactly the speed limit. Just They're just trying to keep me from my egg and cheese sandwich, you know what I mean? Oh. I'm hungry. Me too. Won't they just not even park there so we can go and do it somewhere else? I don't even want know why. I don't even know why. Are we doing something or are we doing road work or something? I yeah. might just. They, they pave them every now and again so the roads stay nice and new. Did anybody have any jobs to do today? No. no. But the jobs were out. The jobs were out? Yeah. You know, now you're one of the older kids, so you got to push for those big time jobs. Jobs, jobs, jobs.